Hello and welcome. My name is Jackie Lindahl and this is the Fit Like a Girl podcast. I am a mom, wife, an avid coffee drinker and weightlifter, as well as a personal trainer. And I own my own company called Fit Like a Girl Personal Training. In this podcast, I will help you reach your weight loss and fitness goals with no BS advice, cutting through all the myths and the crap that is out there so that you feel empowered and confident in reaching your goals. Along with fitness and health, I will also talk about many other subjects like mom stuff, life stuff, business, money, and so much more. So grab a coffee or put on your headphones and go for a walk and let's chat. Hello and welcome back to the Fit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Jackie Lindahl. Thank you so much for listening. I was originally going to record this podcast as a video and post it um, on my YouTube and on my podcast. So like kind of hit both um, streams with content at the same time. But I have been trying to record this podcast for like three days now. And I finally have time in the evening to record this. And I am not not ready to be on YouTube just yet. (laughs) So I am just going to record this as a podcast and maybe I will record a similar video or something like that and post it to my YouTube at a later time when I am feeling up to presenting myself on YouTube and it would also require me having to clean my current space in where I record, which is my bedroom. And I am just not organized enough for that right now. So podcast it is. (laughs) So it's been a little bit since I've been on the podcast. And, um, as probably if you've listened to my last couple of episodes, you would know, I, the last episode I had, I was very, very pregnant, uh, with our second baby, our daughter, and she has made her entrance into the world. She is, uh, two and a half weeks old now, just will be three weeks old this upcoming weekend. She was born on June 18th. And I thought, what, a better topic to talk about then I guess this will be like a mom stuff episode. So I will discuss, I thought in this episode, I would talk about, um, my experience the second time around with labor and delivery and how everything went and then kind of like compare my first and second, because they were vastly different experiences, vastly different, both good experiences, uh, nothing like that. I'm not going to record this podcast to scare anybody. If anything, use this podcast as, you know, like a good, you know, um, non-scary birth story. Cause I know a lot of times when moms have like a traumatic birth story and I mean, they have every right to do, uh, they, share their story and, you know, the trauma and like when things go wrong and stuff like that, because I mean, it can happen. Things can go wrong with labor and delivery and stuff like that. Um, but you don't always hear about the good stories. So I thought I would maybe share the good story. Like when I had my first, I wrote a blog about it. Um, you can find it on my blog, which is on my website. Um, shameless plug right there. But I wrote a blog about it and I did get some really good feedback from people saying like, thanks for sharing your story. It's good to know that like there are good birth stories out there and that not everybody's story is the traumatic, dramatic, you know, over the top event. And so that's why I thought that I would share this story, not as a uh, way to scare anybody or anything, but just as a, Hey, you know, this is, was my experience and how things went for me. And hopefully if you are an expectant mom, either first time mom or otherwise, maybe this can help put your mind at ease a little bit. So 
And so, yeah, so yeah, our uh, little girl made her entrance into the world on June 18th. Um, yeah. So I'll kind of give a little feedback, I guess, on the remaining couple of weeks of my pregnancy. Uh, things went smoothly. I was beyond done being pregnant though. I think honestly, I was done being pregnant by like, week six <laughs> of pregnancy. I've mentioned this before in other podcast episodes and in my socials and stuff like that, but I am not a happy pregnant person. I don't like the experience of pregnancy. I had good pregnancies. I didn't have bad pregnancies. I just don't enjoy it. I, especially the last trimester where you're huge. You feel huge. You're exhausted all the time. Everything is exhausting. Like every little thing and everything hurts. Like I found for me because of the extra weight gain and stuff like that, like my knees were achy. My back is achy. And you know, I'm an, I'm an active person. I kept active throughout my pregnancy up until about week 37. And I was just exhausted. Like I spent, um, the last couple of weeks just kind of doing yard work and housework and things like that. And every little thing would make me so exhausted. Like just simply walking across my yard, which I mean, yeah, we live on an acreage, so we have a big yard, but like, it's not that big, but walking across my yard would literally exhaust me. And I would feel like out of breath. <laughs> and that's not normally how I am. Not that I'm in, you know, any over the top crazy cardiovascular endurance or anything like that, but I can walk across my yard normally without an issue. And I would find myself completely exhausted by the simplest of things. So to say the least, I wasn't a super happy person the last few weeks of my pregnancy. I was quite irritable and just ready for everything to be over. And I was really, really hopeful. I kind of had my hopes up just a little bit, just a little bit, got my hopes up just a little bit that our baby might come a little bit early. Um, but no, no, not at all. But, but that being said, she didn't, she wasn't that late. She was only two days overdue, which really not that big of a deal. Um, my first was five days overdue and definitely like every hour that you're overdue feels like an eternity. <laughs> it feels like you're overdue for 10 years every day that you're overdue because it's just, you're just so done. Or at least for me, I was so beyond done. Um, and with this second pregnancy, I had kind of made up my mind, not really made up my mind, but I kind of had it in my mind that I am probably done having kids after baby number two. Um, just, I just don't enjoy being pregnant to be totally honest. I just don't want to go through another pregnancy. Um, the idea of three kids sounds great, but in reality, logistically doesn't really work. And also I just genuinely don't want to be pregnant again. So for me, I was kind of like, yep, yeah, this is the last time that I want to go through this. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, as far as labor and everything went really smoothly, I had some, what I think were just Braxton Hicks contractions the Friday, the night before I went into labor. And I kind of said to my husband, you know, I feel like I'm having contractions. Like they're far apart. I think they were probably like 20, 30 minutes apart, but they were like noticeable tension. And, um, I kind of had to be like, Oh, okay. And pause for a minute and let it, you know, kind of subside. And so I said to my husband, I feel like maybe we should get some stuff together and I should text my mom just in case. Cause the plan was, um, my parents were going to come and stay with our eldest while we went off to the hospital. So, but they live 
little over a half hour away. So I just wanted to make sure that they were kind of in the know. So I texted my mom who never answered me back. So, I mean, it's fine. Um, I texted my mom saying, I think I'm having some contractions tonight, but I'll let you know if anything changes. She never answered me back, which is fine because they went away. Um, but we prepared for some things just in case we laid out our clothes, made sure that we had our shit together and stuff. Um, and the bag was ready and everything just in case I went into labor overnight. Um, but I was able to go to bed that night and sleep. So obviously the contractions stopped overnight. And then at about, I want to say like 4.30, I woke up with a cramp, like what just felt like a cramp. And I was kind of like, oh, weird. And then I dozed off and fell back asleep. And then at about 5 a.m., I woke up to what I felt like it was a contraction, but I just laid in bed being like, it could just be nothing. I am just laying in bed. Like if I get up and move around, maybe they'll go away, but I'll just, just lay here. It's fine. It's, it's early. It's five. And I had another one at about five 30 and I was like, okay, like that actually like felt like a contraction. Then another one at six, another one at six 30. And then by six 30, I was like, okay, these are contractions. Like they're probably about 20 minutes apart, 25 minutes apart. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I had gotten up by about six 37 o'clock because I was like, well, I'm having contractions and I really, there's no point in me just laying in bed, which is like abnormal for me because normally I would just lay in bed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I got up and kind of, we made coffee and stuff. And I told my, I made coffee and I told my husband, I said, I'm, I'm having contractions, like, just so you know. Um, and he's like, oh, okay. And we just took things quite casually this time around because with my daughter, my eldest, my labor was very long. Like I had a 20, like it was, I had, I was in labor for 27 hours. So with my first, I started having contractions at like what I realized were finally contractions by about 1030 in the morning, but I didn't have her till one o'clock the next day. So I was like, given just how long everything was with our first, we took things pretty casually. Like, you know, I was kind of like, I'll just keep an eye on the time and stuff. And the other mistake that we made with my first was we went to the hospital way too early. Um, my contractions were about 10 minutes apart, but I wasn't dilated enough and I didn't even get into a room until like, I think we went to the hospital with my first at about 5 PM, 5 30. And we didn't get into a room till about midnight because I wasn't dilated enough. So I didn't want to rush it. I didn't want to go to the hospital and have to wait around or get sent back home. So I took this very casually. So my husband made us breakfast, which was good um, because that was another mistake that I didn't, that I made with my first was that I didn't eat uh, while I was in labor. And then I was starving and labor is very labor intensive and you're exhausted. And even though you're in pain and you don't feel like eating, you need energy to be able to deal with labor. So yeah, he made us like a hearty breakfast of like bacon and eggs and toast. And I ate it in pretty quickly in between contractions. Um, and then I, by about 10 AM or yeah, I think it was around like nine ish. I texted my mom saying like, Hey, I'm having contractions. I think at the time they're about seven to 10 minutes apart on average. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll let you know if they get closer together because I didn't want to go to the hospital too early. So they started getting more and more intense though, right around that time they were getting more and more intense. And finally at like 10 o'clock, I was like, okay, I'm in enough discomfort that I need to, you know, I feel like we should probably go to the hospital. Cause I was like, by the time I text my parents, 
and they get their stuff together and they get in the car and they get here, it'll be almost an hour. So we should probably text them now so that in about an hour we're ready to go. So breathing through my contractions and everything, um, was a lot harder because I had a toddler <laughs> who was trying to jump on me because it's like a usual Saturday morning in our house. She wanted to like play and cuddle. And she keeps asking me, mom, will you play with me? Mom, will you play with me? And I'm like sitting on the couch, trying to breathe through my contraction really, really hard and just concentrate on just keeping myself calm, just breathe through the hard part of the contraction. And she's like, mom, mom, will you play with me? And like throwing toys at me and jumping on me. And I'm like, Argh! leave me alone. <laughs> so at that point I was like, Hey, we need to go to the hospital just so that I can like have a little bit of space to breathe. And like my husband was running interference. I mean like, no, no, no. Like come, you come play with me, leave mommy alone. Like that kind of thing. But he was also trying to like, make sure that we had our shit together and stuff like that. So it was just a little bit chaotic. Um, so, so yeah. And it, took what felt like an eternity for my parents to get there, but they actually showed up in about like 45 minutes, which wasn't too bad. Um, but I remember saying to my husband, like, oh, they must've took the long way around. Why didn't they take the shortcut? Like, why didn't they go down the County roads? Why did they take the highways? Like, why are they taking so long? But really it didn't take them that long. I was just feeling impatient because I was in pain and I wanted to go to the hospital. So, so yeah, my parents showed up and literally I, I was like, Hey, like I said to my husband, I was like, my parents are going to walk in the house and we are walking out of the house. Like I want to like get on the road and let's go to the hospital. So yeah, literally my parents walked in the house and I was like, here's the kid. I wrote down like a bunch of stuff because of course we had like the dog that needed to be looked after the, our toddler has like asthma medications and allergy medications that she's on. And of course we have chickens or we have chicks that needed to be looked after. So I was like, I just like, I had basically typed up a word document of like everything about the house and everything like that. Cause my parents were going to stay the night here at our house. And I was literally like, everything's on the paper that's on the table. I will call you guys later with an update. I just got to get out of here. And <clears throat> my parent, my mom, my mom and dad completely understood. I mean, like my mom's had five kids. She knows the rule. She knows how things go. She's had five births, five pregnancies. Like she knows the, the drill. So she's like, yeah, you just go. Like you guys go, we are good. Um, if there is, we will figure everything out. If there's something that's absolutely urgent, like we'll call Ernie and talk to him. Like it's fine. And so we got in the car and of course it's about a 40 minute drive to the hospital. And it just felt like an eternity, like just felt like an eternity to get there. And it's not that like, it's that big of a deal, but it's just felt like an eternity. And of course there's like construction on the main road to get to the hospital. And my husband was like, we have to detour around. I'm like, just go this way, go through the Walmart parking lot. And we we're like kind of bickering with each other, um, while I'm contracting. <laughs> so that was totally fine. We arrived at the hospital, uh, went in, and, um, the experience at the hospital this time around was different, definitely because the last time I gave birth was prior to COVID in 2019. So things were definitely different with COVID. Um, I can imagine the parents who have given birth and gone through the labor and delivery experience in like the midst of like the thick of COVID would have had a, an extremely different experience. So us being kind of, uh, where I live, um, I don't want to say COVID's over because it's very clearly not. Um, but, uh, where I live, basically we're pretending like it doesn't exist anymore. I don't know. That's Alberta for you. Um, so we, things were definitely different this time around, but I 
feel like not as like strict and things like that as, um, they might've been versus being in kind of like the really midst of like high COVID in 2020 and 2021. So, so yeah, they did, I, wore a mask when we were walking into the rooms and things like that. Um, when we were in the rooms, I took it off if I felt like I really needed to kind of like catch my breath with my contractions and stuff. Otherwise I tried to keep it on as best as I could, except for until we got into the labor and delivery room. Um, yeah, so we got there and, um, I, we go to the front desk at labor and delivery and they're like, Oh, what are you here for? And I'm like, well, you can probably guess. And they just kind of laughed and they were like, okay, sounds good. So they brought us over to like a little room where they monitor contractions for a little bit and they checked me out and they were like, Hey, you're about four to five centimeters dilated, but it is your second baby. So things could go a little bit faster. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. It seems like things are a little bit more intense this time around so far, but I was like, I don't know, like my last labor was like 27 hours. So I wasn't really expecting things to go that quickly. And they were like, well, this is your second baby. So this could go a lot faster. And I was like, yeah, well, we'll see. Like my mom had the exact opposite experience. She had five pregnancies and she said it was pretty much every single kid was longer. (laughs) So she had really long labors. My mom was very slow to dilate. So I was kind of going based off of my mom and that I had a really long labor the first time around. Uh, so I was like, yeah, yeah. Like this will probably take a while. Probably be here for like most of the day before I have this baby. And they said, they're like, well, you're about four to five centimeters now. And the nurse had said, you know, we talked to the doctor and the doctor wants to admit you. And she said, if you feel like you want some pain control or an epidural to ask for it now, because once your water breaks, things are going to go quite quickly, given this is your second pregnancy. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like I, I had planned on getting an epidural. Eventually I got one with my first, had a great experience with it. So I had planned on getting one eventually. And so I was like, yeah, okay. I'll like, you know, we'll think about it, get me into a room and kind of see where things are at. And as we walk by the room, the doctor was there who was on call and she's, she kind of followed me and she was like, if you, she's like, Jackie, if you want an epidural, get it, ask for it now, because it will be about an hour until you get it. But she's like, once your water breaks, things are going to go quite quickly and you won't have time for an epidural. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. And we got into the room and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm cool to get an epidural now. Like I feel like I'm in enough discomfort and I would really kind of like to relax. And I found with my first pregnant or my first labor with my dot, with my, um, with my first daughter that I had kind of stalled out at one point where I only dilated to six centimeters and then I stalled out. And I think part of the reason why I stalled out was because I couldn't relax. And once I got an epidural, things seemed to progress an epidural and they did pictocin. Um, things progressed quicker, quickly. And I feel like the epidural just helped me relax mentally and prepare for delivery and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I know I, for sure I'm good to get like the epidural now. I think that'll help me relax and help me finish dilating and stuff. And, um, they're like, okay, sounds good. So one little aside in this whole process is, um, a few days before I had, or a couple days before I went into labor, I was battling really bad with my allergies that week. And where I live this year, everybody is struggling so bad with their allergies. Like my husband is struggling really bad with his allergies. My daughter really struggling bad. Everybody that I talked to has mentioned that like 
this year has been really bad for allergies, probably due to there's a few f- theories, and one of them being that last year in 2021, our summer here was ridiculously dry and very, very hot. Very hot, very dry. And because of the heat and the dryness, it, we had a bad drought and a lot of like the trees and stuff like that. Um, and trees and plants and stuff couldn't pollinate like they normally do. So this year it seems like there's a lot of like extra pollen, extra, all these things that are kind of like making up for having such a dry, hot summer last year. So because of my allergies, which normally don't bother me at all in the spring and summer, I lost my voice a couple of days before I went into labor. So going into the hospital kind of, um, made me nervous because I was worried about COVID and everybody thinking that I'm going to be freaking contagious. And it's not, it's just that I have allergies, but I lost my voice. So it made communicating in the hospital a little bit difficult in that the nursing staff and stuff were kind of like, they were, nobody was rude or anything like that. Like, but they were kind of like, how come you lost your voice? And I would have to explain it's because of allergies or like, it all depended on how much like phlegm was in my throat. So if sometimes I could speak a little bit more clearly, and then sometimes I had a little bit more phlegm on my throat and then I couldn't speak as clearly. And it was just, and then my husband would have to like speak up for me because like I couldn't talk. And when you lose your voice, you're not supposed to whisper because whispering is actually harder on your voice than trying to talk normally. Um, I dealt with a lot of laryngitis and stuff as a teenager. And in my early twenties, I struggled a lot with laryngitis and losing my voice for long periods of time. And these are just things that I learned. And however, though, I kind of had to like whisper just to be able to communicate. So it made the whole labor and delivery experience a little bit harder in that I couldn't clearly communicate very well, but the nursing staff and the doctors and stuff were all very understanding and, um, very much like just, uh, helped me out as far as like listening to me and stuff like that, or like understanding that like, I might need to like clear my throat or like really try hard to explain something or my husband might have to explain. Um, but yeah, so anyways, the doctor came in and did my epidural. He did have to try twice for it, which did not happen the first time. But I just think that I was at this time, the contractions were so, were getting really, really close together that I was having like a hard time sitting properly in position. Um, but no, the epidural, uh, once it kicked in initially was fantastic. So with my first, when I got an epidural, I, um, I am extremely sensitive to anesthetic. I learned this through my very first knee surgery. When I went under anesthetic, I had a hard time recovering. I um, went down really quickly and had a really hard time in recovery where I was like hours. I spent hours in recovery where normally they're like, most people are here for maybe an hour and they're out. And I was in recovery for literally hours because I just couldn't wake up. Um, so I learned through that, that I have very sensitive to anesthetic. And then when I had my epidural with my first, I explained that to the, sur- to the anesthesiologist. And I said, like, I'm very sensitive to anesthetic. This is what happened with my knee surgeries and stuff. And he's like, Kate, sounds good. I will go with a lighter dose. And with my first, he went with a lighter dose, but it was like instantly, as soon as the epidural was in my blood pressure tanked, I felt nauseous. My husband said I went white as a ghost. Um, and they had to like reverse it and give me some drugs and stuff to get my blood pressure up. So given that history, they were really good about taking care and making sure that like, um, 
that didn't happen this time around. So they gave me a bunch of fluids to make sure my blood pressure stayed up as well as, um, he went quite late on, on the dose. And initially my epidural was perfect for about the first hour. So my epidural was great. I felt relaxed. I texted my family being like epidurals are the fucking bomb. I love epidurals. And, um, that my water broke. So I was like, yay, my water broke. The doctor didn't have to break it for me. They came in and then it was like, after my water broke, um, my epidural like stopped working. And I don't know if it stopped working completely, but I was in discomfort and I was having literally back to back contractions. Like they, like they just wouldn't stop. Like I just, I kept saying to my husband, like, when am I going to get a break? When am I going to get a break? And I'm just trying to breathe through these contractions. And it was like, one would peak and then it would start to go down. I'm like, Hey, it's going down. I can relax. And then it would just pick back up again. I'd be like, fuck. Like I, it was, I was having a hard time keeping myself under control and like just trying to breathe through it and just be like, Hey, reminding myself, this is what my body needs to do. This is all normal. This is what's supposed to happen. But at the same time, I was like, I am in a lot of pain right now. So I said to the nurse, I was like, I am very uncomfortable and my epidural is not working. Uh, we tried topping it up just using like the stupid fucking little button. Uh, it didn't work. It didn't like top it up enough. So they called back the anesthesiologist and he comes back in and he looks at me and he goes, you look uncomfortable. And I'm like, no shit. <laughs> like no shit. I look uncomfortable. I can tell that I look uncomfortable. And he's like, okay. Um, so he, he said, he's like, I'll top you back up. And so top up, but the top up took like, a, Oh, like a half an hour to work. So still like going through back to back contractions, back to back contractions. And then it started to subside and then it finally started to work, which was good. Um, and then I had the nurses check me again. They're like, Hey, you're like fully dilated. And I, you know, let, let us know when you're starting to feel pressure. And this was at about three o'clock. I was like, yeah, I think I'm starting to feel pressure. Like I feel like, um, of course I can't really feel a lot, but I feel like I'm starting to feel some pressure and that like, it might be time to push. So like, okay, we'll call in the doctor and the doctor comes in and she, um, was like, perfect. I was ready to come in and break your water and get you to deliver this baby. So this worked out good. And, uh, so I was like, Hey, I remember with my first, I pushed for an hour. I pushed for an hour with my first. And I said to the doctor, I was like, Hey, I'm really hoping that I don't have to push for an hour this time. And I said, um, and I said, like, I'm hoping maybe I can push for like half an hour, like have this baby by three 30. Cause it was about three o'clock a little bit after three. And she looks at the clock and she looks at me and she goes, you'll have this baby by 320. Don't worry. And I was like, what? Like, are you fucking nuts woman? But I was like, okay, 320, 320. I needed a number in my mind because with my first, I pushed for an hour. We started pushing at about noon. And I remember our nurse, her name was Debbie that we had with our first and she was fantastic and we loved her. And, um, it was 1245. I've been pushing for about 45 minutes and Debbie looks at the clock and she looked at me and she goes, okay, Jackie, my break is at one o'clock. I want this baby out by one. And I was like, okay, 15 more minutes. That's all I have. Like that's, that's what I have in me. This baby is coming out in 15 minutes. And sure enough at 1:01 PM, our first daughter was born. So I, knowing that experience that time, um, I needed a number in my mind. So when the doctor said 320, I was like, Hey, I have 15 minutes of pushing in me like 320. 
that's what I have in me. And so, yeah, yeah, sure enough, at 3.18 p.m., our daughter was born. And it was definitely, um, I feel like because I had a baby before, I already kind of knew how to push and all those types of things. So I feel like it went a little bit smoother that way. Um, yeah, so 3.18 p.m. after about, I think it was 13 minutes of pushing and she came out and she was a bigger baby this time around, which surprised the hell out of me. Um, so my first was six pounds, five ounces when she was born. My second it was seven pounds, 11 ounces. So about a pound and a half bigger and, and an inch longer. But the funny thing is, is that with my first, I gained more weight versus my second, um, I gained about, oh, I want to say it was, so with my first, I gained about 43 pounds, something like that, about 43 pounds with my second, I gained about 35, 36 pounds. So a little bit of a weight difference. Um, but yet I had a smaller baby, which I found super interesting or, or yeah, I had a bigger baby this time around than I did with my first. Um, yeah. So I was really surprised. I thought for sure that she would be another small baby like my first, but definitely not. Um, yeah. So she came out and everything went smoothly after that. Uh, so after you deliver the baby, this is one thing that they don't show in movies and they don't really tell you about. You're not done after you deliver the baby, the baby comes out and it's like, yay, baby, but you still have to deliver the placenta. Um, which is what the baby basically lives off of and attaches to and keeps the baby alive while it's in your stomach. So you still have to deliver the placenta. I knew that this time around, like I, I knew. And my first time around, I knew that as well because, well, I was a veterinary technician for many years. Um, I, I know the drill as far as like birth and stuff like that. The baby comes out, the placenta comes out. So with my first, the placenta came out pretty quickly and easily or whatever. This time around, it did not. And I guess what had happened was my, once I had the baby, my cervix immediately closed and it didn't close completely, but it closed like pretty much almost all the way the doctor said. Um, and so it took about a half an hour. So she's, she basically said, she's like, you have a half an hour to deliver the placenta. If it doesn't come out in half an hour, I have to go for it in one way or another. Like we can't just leave it in there. So she was really good at like explaining things and she was really patient and she tried to like, you know, do lots of massage and all these things to try to coax it out or whatever. And it just wasn't coming. So half an hour later, uh, she had to go fishing for it, which at that point they left my epidural on. Thank God they left my epidural on <laughs> because they knew they were hoping that by leaving the epidural on, they gave me some pictocin that it would help the uterus contract a little bit more to get the, um, to get the placenta out, but it just wasn't working. So thank God they left that epidural on because when she went fishing in there for it, she went fishing for it. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so I don't know. This is probably TMI. This is a lot of TMI in this podcast. So I hope that this is okay for me to talk about. If you've already turned it off or you're like, oh my God, this is too much information. I'm sorry. Um, I just feel like this might help somebody who is listening or it'll make somebody laugh or whatever. This is my experience. Maybe I'll put a TMI disclaimer in the description or something like that. Um, but yeah. So anyways, after that, everything went, everything was good. We got it all out. They gave me some medication. They, after a while, were able to turn off my epidural and I got up and I had a shower and like, um, 
all that kind of stuff. Ernie got lots of bonding time with the baby. He did some skin to skin with her. I did, uh, baby nursed, um, pretty well, I would say she attached like pretty immediately. So that was good. I know that's not everybody's experience when it comes to nursing. Um, or breastfeeding and stuff because breastfeeding is hard. It's really difficult. And especially the first couple of weeks are brutal, hard and painful and difficult. So I can empathize with that. Um, but she did quite well. And then we went to the recovery room, which because I lost my voice and my husband and I were both struggling with our allergies, they all of a sudden got super paranoid about COVID and didn't really make any sense. And I'm sure it's just the hospital protocol. It's not really anything to do with anybody else, but they were like, yeah, we're going to actually put you in an isolation room, which is really just a private room. Um, normally where I live, when you recover, you kind of go into like a double room with other people, like with one other family. Um, and you're like separated like by curtains and stuff like that. But they were like, we feel like if we tried to put you in a room with other people that they wouldn't be too happy about it, given that you guys are both dealing with your allergies or whatever. So we're going to go put you in isolation. They did make me do a COVID test, which I was like, it's going to be negative, but fine, whatever. Uh, we got a nice private room out of it. So, (laughs) and then, yeah, we just like hung out for the rest of the day and the night. Um, first night didn't go too, too badly. Um, you know, we got a couple hours sleep each. It's fine. And between it's mostly like the nursing staff and stuff coming in to do like their checks and stuff throughout the night that it's like more annoying than anything. Um, but it's fine. And then the next day we were able to go home at about noon, which was great. So, so yeah, so that was kind of the labor and delivery experience. Like I said, things went smoothly. It wasn't a big dramatic event, uh, definitely faster this time around, which I wasn't expecting. I was not expecting to have a quick labor and delivery. And really when all was said and done, it was like nine hours from when I started having consistent contractions to having the baby was like nine hours. Um, which was crazy to me, given that my first was 27 hours. It was like crazy difference, like a third of the time with my second. So yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting the second one to go that fast. Um, I'm glad it did. I much preferred that over the 27 hours of pain and agony and waiting and slowly dilating and all those things with my first. Um, yeah. So since we've been home, things have been good. Postpartum this time around is definitely like, um, it's definitely different. It was the first week I found to be quite hard because with my first, um, it was just us and her. It was literally just the three of us. Our world was surrounded by just this little baby. I could just lay on the couch all day and just kind of like cuddle my baby and nurse her and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this time around we have a toddler life doesn't stop for a toddler. And so we kept her home from daycare the first week because we had lots of visitors and people coming and she would want to see her aunts and uncles and, you know, her, um, my grand, her grandparents and all that kind of stuff. So we kept her home for the first week. Um, and then the second week sent her back to daycare. She doesn't go to daycare full time, full time. She goes like three days a week. So it was enough where she was, gone to daycare and having a good time playing with her friends and stuff, but then also at home and bonding with her sister. So that was good. Um, but yeah, it was very different and I found it quite stressful and hard the first week, just given that, 
It's hard to really focus on yourself and your healing and focus on this brand new baby when you still have a toddler that needs and wants your attention and you want to give her that attention and stuff that she needs because she's only two. Um, so yeah, it was a difficult the second time around, but thankfully, like, thank God my husband was, is home because he spent lots of time with our daughter and would like take her on walks, take her outside. He took her swimming last week. Like, you know, he's spending lots of time with her, which is great. And then I can also like hand off the baby and spend some time with our toddler as well. And, um, yeah, so thank, really, really grateful that he's been home and able to help me with that, that he was able to take a leave from work, um, just temporarily for a few weeks so that we can kind of get our bearings underneath us and get life organized. Um, yeah. And now I'm getting back into the swing of things with work because being a self-employed person, work doesn't really stop. And being self-employed means that I don't really get a maternity leave, but at the same time, I can work my work schedule around things. And also I don't really want to take a maternity leave because that would mean I would have to abandon my clients for like a year or however long. And I don't want to do that. My clients are very, very important to me and my work is very, very important to me. And so I have to do everything in my power to make it work. And yeah, it's tough. It's, it's hard, um, trying to work with a newborn and a toddler, um, getting back into the swing of things with work and stuff has been slow, but my clients have been amazing and super understanding and everything, which I can appreciate just beyond words with them. Um, but yeah, getting back into the swing of things with work, hence being back on the podcast and everything, and also just trying to get into a routine with life. As far as like exercise and stuff goes, I'm still a couple of weeks out from being able to work out. But this week we started going on walks, which has been really good for my mental health. I've been getting out into my garden, which needs to be weeded really badly. Um, yeah, so all in all, good things. We are just about three weeks postpartum now and, you know, things, it'll get easier as you go with the routine. It's hard for the first few weeks. That's for sure. I remember that with our daughter. And by the time she was about a month old to six weeks old, we were kind of in a bit of a routine and getting things going and feeling good and stuff. And so I struggled a lot. I know with my daughter, um, uh, with my first, with the newborn phase, uh, the newborn phase to me is hard because your sleep is unpredictable. Um, you're trying to bond with this thing that is throwing your life around. And some women experience when they first meet their baby, they're instantly in love. And I've heard that so many times. Oh, as soon as I saw my baby, I was instantly in love and all that kind of thing. And I didn't experience that the first time around with my first, I didn't experience that. Oh my God, I'm in love with this baby. I was kind of like, what is this thing? It's this baby. And, you know, I, I had a natural instinct of like, this is my responsibility and I have to protect it and make sure that I look after it and do my best for it. But I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm in love with this baby. That came a little later. And if you're a mom or a first time mom and you felt the same way I did, you're not alone. Like I've discussed this with a few of my friends and they've both, they've said the same thing that, you know, you kind of have this being and this thing that you instinctively know that you need to look after and you need to protect and you need to care for it, but you don't necessarily, you're not like in love with it. Like that kind of love comes a little bit later for some people and that's okay. And that's exactly how I felt with my daughter with really both experiences, but knowing it this time around, knowing that like the I'm in love with this baby comes 
as you care for it and it grows and you grow together and you bond with each other and stuff over time that some women do experience that instant love and some women it develops over time, but you at least have that instinct, uh, knowing that you need to protect and care for this child. So that's very much was my experience might not be everybody's, but it was definitely mine. Um, yeah. And seeing my daughter, seeing our eldest, um, you know, kind of turn into an older sister and stuff has been great. The first week was rough in that she was experiencing a lot of emotions. We had a lot of tantrums, a lot of tears from her and me, um, <laughs> because it was a big adjustment in that her attention is being, you know, our attention as her parents and everybody, um, is being shared, which I think knew was going to be hard on her. Um, but yeah, certain things really kind of set her off. Like one thing that I didn't really expect to set her off was when I was breastfeeding the baby that really upset her for the first couple of days where she, it was full on meltdown and that kind of threw me off and I felt so guilty you know, it's an irrational guilt knowing that I, you know, I need to feed this baby and this is how I'm feeding her. Um, just knowing just kind of that, just that guilt of like, you know, this is really upsetting her and she was clearly distraught about it. But then we had a lot of talks about it and stuff and I would be very open about it and just talk to her about it. And then by the second day, she, you know, she was like, Hey, I, she would just say to me, mommy, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I was like, it's okay. You don't have to like it. Like, you don't have to like it. It's fine. You'll get used to it. Like, it's okay. This is just how mommy has to feed the baby. And then now, now she's okay with it. Now she's kind of at peace with it. Uh, we still struggle sometimes with like, I'm trying to feed the baby and stuff and she's trying to climb all over me and stuff. So we're still working on some boundaries that way, but overall much improvement. Um, and she's like excited to see her sister and hold her and stuff now, which is great. So, yeah. So as far as how things go from here, it's just getting into the routine and keeping things going. Um, yeah. So I think that's where I'm going to kind of end things. I, hope that this was like an okay podcast it is different than any other podcast I've done. Definitely. It is not a fitness podcast. This is definitely mom stuff podcast. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. If this one goes well, and if you like this, please send me a message if you enjoyed this podcast or not. So then I know kind of like if the mom content is something that people want to hear about or not. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, you can also post a five-star written review. The reviews just really help to increase ratings and boosting of the podcast so that more people can listen to it so that my helpful fitness content can help more people just like yourself. And yeah, if you haven't already, please follow me on the social media. You can follow me on Instagram. I will post it in the show notes. From there, you can find my TikTok and YouTube and other pages and stuff. And also I am still taking on more online training clients because I am still working. So if you need some help with your health and fitness goals or finding a workout program that works for you, any of the above, definitely feel free to head to the link in my show notes to my website, www.fitlikeagirl.ca. And there you can find some information about my online training options, as well as my online training application that you can fill out and send to me. And yeah. Lastly, just thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and take care, fam.